You are looking live at chicken dinner. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. I think I'll take two chickens. Go on riverboat gambling trips. You're going to die for some chickens. Hey, what's your chicken dinner? Someone is. It was feathers yesterday. There was no chicken. What you got riding on this game? My daughter. What a gambler. It's chicken dinner. Hey, Babalugas, we got a bet here. Here's your host, Sam Panianovich. It's called Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner right there, boys. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner. How about that? Away we go. Chicken Dinner Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Follow us on Twitter at ChickenXDinner, Instagram at ChickenDinnerSP, and smash the button so you get this podcast once it drops. We will talk to Ed Sammons, one of the best bookmakers and odds makers in the world. Ed works at one of the sports books in Las Vegas, and we spend some time on this recent Vegas trip talking about a lot of things. How do you define a wise guy? A huge bet on the New England Patriots, the difficulties of booking Sunday night football, and the lack of college football sleepers. All that coming up later on in the program with Ed Sammons from the Westgate Superbook. The Vegas trip was great. Went into the back and talked to seven bookmakers. South Point, Rampart, Westgate, talked to Robert Walker, U.S. Bookmaking, Matt Metcalf at Circa. Great stuff. We're going to scatter those interviews over the next couple weeks leading up to the NFL season. And a lot of these guys have thoughts on shop, price, moving markets. They have thoughts on teams and players, and they share them with us, which is shared with you. And that's the whole point of the trip. Walking into the back room, sitting in these offices, and having conversations about taking bets and the industry in general. Did not love the return flight to Boston on Tuesday. Oh, man, I know what it's like when Hawaii plays in West Virginia. (laughs) The Tuesday flight is when you get on the plane at 9.45 in the morning Pacific and you land Tuesday night in Boston at 6.30, get off that plane at 6.50. By the time you got your suitcase at 7.20, you get home at 7.35, 7.40, and then you're so tired you can't sleep. But a heck of a trip. And saw the boys, saw everybody I had to see. Signed up for the Westgate Super Contest. We are signed up with Winter Circle Proxy. We're going to make five NFL picks every single week. And it's going to be content galore. If we're great, awesome. If we suck, even better. Five games a week is tough. So tough. I like usually two or three in the NFL. And I like totals, too. Remember, Super Contest doesn't give you the totals. It's all sides. But that'll be something that we do every single week as we near the weekend on chicken dinner. I haven't been paying much attention to Major League Baseball across the country, and that's sort of by design this year. I follow the Red Sox closely, and always I'm up to speed on their markets and their prices and the day-to-day stuff there. For years, I've talked about this in baseball. Just find the worst teams and fade them It's easier said than done when you're betting baseball day-to-day because then you get competitive with yourself. Well, I faded Baltimore and Arizona. Now let me fade the Dodgers. (laughs) We outsmart ourselves all the time in sports betting. It's a fatal flaw for a lot of you. You're not satisfied with just winning. You want to win more. It's like your friend that goes to the blackjack table and he turns 200 into 2,000 and then he's like, well, now I'll bet 500. What? What? You didn't have 500. Now you're betting 500 a hand. We do this when we bet. Here are some numbers for you. 
if you were to bet against the following teams, you would be up so much money. Just betting against them. Bet against Baltimore. 38-86 and 86, heading into Wednesday night. Down 31.5 units. That's so much. You bet $100, you are up a lot. Against the Diamondbacks, every game, you're 85 and 42. Arizona betters are down 29.3 units this year. If you've bet Minnesota every game, you're down 26.2. If you've bet San Diego every game, you're down 22.2. If you've bet Texas every game, you're down 20.1. If you've bet Chicago every game, the Cubbies, of course, you're down 15.3. It's easy for me to sit here and go, yeah, just bet against the bad teams. In baseball, pay attention to the gap between the great and the worst. The gap has never been bigger. Ever in baseball. If the Tampa Bay Rays or the San Francisco Giants played the Baltimore Orioles right now 20 times, it might be like 17 and 3. Maybe even more, 18 and 2. The bad teams are fucking bad. How about the Orioles? Coming into Wednesday night, they've lost 19 straight and they've been outscored by 108 runs. The cream rises, but it also, they don't have cream. They can't afford cream at the bottom. Ugh. I just, I don't like the day-to-day baseball stuff. It's very stressful. But if you've bet against Baltimore, Arizona, Minnesota this year, you are, you are up a lot of money. Big news out of New England today, and I'm glad that I'm taping this show later on a Wednesday than usual. Usually try and get these up late afternoon, 3, 4, 5 o'clock. Just had a jam day. First day back in Boston. Jimmy Fund was today. We were out there at Fenway writing a couple things, and about, I don't know, two hours ago, I hear from a couple guys I really respect that go, hey, we're going to fire Mac Jones to be the offensive rookie of the year, 10-1. to And you can still find that at a couple places. But what's happened today, since most of us woke up, Cam Newton was a minus 330 favorite at DraftKings to start week number one. Take the first snap. Who is it, Cam or Mac? Cam minus 330 this morning when the sun came up. Mac was plus 225. It's off the board right now. Yeah, off the board. And if you read Nesson.com and check out my guy, Zach Cox, read some of the other stuff from our team, check the pulse of the Patriots beat, it sounds like Mac Jones is going to have every opportunity this Sunday in that preseason game to wow Bill Belichick. Because Bill ain't too happy about Cam Newton being, let's call him unavailable or unreliable. This isn't about politics or a shot or not. It's like, hey, can you play or not? Are you available or not? So if Cam breaks team protocol again after a week two or week three start and he can't go or whatever, I'm telling you that that might be it. Hell, it might already be it. We don't know. Trying to decipher Belichick is impossible. But when you read 
and hear about what Mac did at practice today with all eyes on him, some people are changing their minds quickly. And when a sports book like DraftKings takes a market off the board, completely off the board, it tells you they're scared. If I have to lay 330 Wednesday morning that Cam will start week one, 330 to win 100, that's a sizable favorite. I mean, the numbers on that tell you that it's Cam's job. And for weeks, they've been writing nothing but Mac money because people love the underdog and people know that Cam Newton isn't that good. But minus 330 implies 76, 77% probability. They took it off the board. They don't want an avalanche of money on Mac at a bad number. And that's, judging by what we heard today, plus 225 is a bad number. It sounds like right now it's closer to a pick em. Minus 110 each way. So it's off the board. Now, it doesn't mean that Mac is starting week one. I'm not saying that. Pay attention. When you take a minus 330 favorite and don't adjust, you remove, you're scared. And that's the truth. And I don't blame a sports book. I wouldn't want to write any more bets on Mac given what I heard today if I'm a bookmaker. I'm going to guess they're going to recalibrate it, but even then, if I'm DraftKings right now, I don't want to book another bet on Mac Jones, even at minus 110, even at minus 130, even at minus 150. I'd be curious to see if this market goes back up. And Mac's going to have every opportunity Sunday. Allegedly, he's going to get a lot of run with the ones, and if he shines, look out. Still can find 10-1, to 1, rookie of the year. Thing is there, you still got some hurdles. You got to deal with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, guys like that. But this starting quarterback prop went from Cam Newton, heavy favorite, to off the board. You follow the money. I want to give a shout-out to my guys at WinBet, Alan Berg, Matt Lindemann, Matoy Pearson. They are on some serious heat with these Massive NFL markets over at WinBet. They are taking all kinds of stuff. And I don't know if you know about WinBet, but if you like options and different things, this is a place that you'll like. If you go to the NFL section on WinBet and go to Futures, you can bet on the most passing yards, but you get combinations. Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, 3-1. to one. They're the favorite. Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, plus 350. Tom Brady and Justin Herbert, 375. Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow, 4-1. to one. Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, 8-1. to one. Matt Ryan and Kyler Murray, 8-1. to one. How about most receiving yards? Ooh, I like this combo. DeAndre Hopkins and Justin Jefferson. If they have the most, you can get that plus 350. 100 makes you 350. Stephon Diggs and Julio Jones, five to one. My wheels are spinning already. DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, also five to one. Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore, five fifty. Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, six to one. I'm not going to go through the entire Rolodex here, but they have it for receiving yards for receivers, receiving yards for tight ends, most passing touchdowns. Rodgers and Herbert are favored. Mahomes and Ryan are second. Most rushing touchdowns. 
Camara and Montgomery favored plus 350. You got a lot of options here. And this is the future of sports betting. Let's cram the store with the most kinds of candy. And people will bet. People will bet, Ray. Oh, it just it keeps going. Most combined regular season wins. Bucks and Packers minus 15. Chiefs and Rams minus 105. They're taking bets on a lot of stuff over there. Just go check it out. They have the usual stuff. Who wins the conference? Who wins the division? Who wins the Super Bowl? But you can bet on which team will have which teams rather will have more combined regular season wins. Seahawks and Saints minus 135. Broncos and Titans plus 15. How about Browns and Niners minus 130? Ravens and Bills plus 110. Go check this stuff out. It's cool. You haven't seen stuff like that before. These combination props. Take two players. Take two teams. Make a bet. They're doing really cool stuff at WinBet. Props to those guys. College football, I am on Nebraska, Illinois under 55. Let me start by saying week zero mostly sucks. And you don't have to bet it, believe it or not. You don't. I do like the under in that game, though. I think it's 28... 20, 24, 21, either way. When you think about the way these teams are constructed, the corn, they bring back 10 starters on D. So Nebraska, 10 of 11 starters are returning. Brett Bielman has a quarterback that can't move, Brandon Peters. Older dude, sits in the pocket, a lot of short passes, a lot of dink and dunk. There are not a lot of home run threats, and these defenses are better than people think. When you think of Nebraska over the last five years, you don't think defense, you think offense, but they're going to be decent on defense this year, I think. And Illinois' offense, I don't know that Bielema has enough speed or talent. He's always really sort of been that ball control guy anyway, the the run-the-rock type guy. I don't think he wants any part of a shootout against Martinez. I can't imagine that's Brett Bielema's plan. I could see it being more, hey, let's run the rock for 35. Let's keep our defense rested. Let's try and win a war here. I don't believe Illinois wants to play in the 40s or even the high 30s for that matter. And you look at the total, opened pretty much 56, 56 and a half at a couple joints. You're seeing 55s. And 54 and a half at Westgate. There's also some movement as I tape this late, like 1040 Eastern. The sevens are disappearing. Pinnacle down to six and a half. Heritage down to six and a half. There's a lot of people I respect that are on Illinois. I have that internal problem, though, because I have been burned by Illinois so many times. I used to love when Illinois would beat up on the cupcakes and then you'd get excited for them to play Michigan and Illinois, Michigan, Michigan be minus one. I'd be like, ooh, that's a trap. Give me the Illini. Michigan, 38-10. Not that Nebraska is what Michigan was. I don't think Nebraska's great by any means. I am just jaded from past performances where I have my money on Illinois. And, you know, it's tough to detach yourself from that sometimes. I also don't want to be the guy that always goes back to, oh, he's always on Illinois again. They lost by 30. I like the under more because I think the game is going to track and trend under. 
We shall see. But as I say this, the sevens are disappearing. And remember, this number was seven and a half for a long time. So it's coming through the seven. Those are the strongest moves in football, through the seven, through the three. You go from eight and a half down to six and a half, that, it's two points, but it's it's a big two points. It's not like, it's not like six down to four or ten down to eight. Seven and a half down to six and a half, it's only one point, but it is a powerful point because you're going through the most key number in football, going through the seven. Eventually, somebody's going to lay six and a half or six the other way, but this is respected money on Illinois at home as a touchdown dog. Other games, no shot. Hawaii, UCLA, I wouldn't take points with Hawaii if you gave me 30. Well, I'd take 30. I don't know that I want to take 17 and a half, though. I think I'd need at least 21 to take Hawaii. And on UCLA, I missed 14, 14 and a half. It's 17, 17 and a half, no shot. UTEP, New Mexico State, no thanks. I no longer have a problem. That's a 9.30 kick. 9.30 East Coast, not too bad. And then Connecticut, Fresno State, I I want no part of a 27-point spread. So week zero, small card, just like the under, 55, Nebraska, Illinois. Two more quick things before we get to Ed Salmons. There's a tweet I saw from Caesars Entertainment. We have joined forces with the Fiesta Bowl in a first-of-its-kind sports betting and fantasy gaming partnership for a college football bowl game. It'll focus on fan engagement, mm-hmm, the organization's year-round events, and expanding sports gaming and education in Arizona. I am sure Caesars wants to expand education. I don't buy that for one second. But it's interesting, isn't it? Sports betting is all good. It's cool. It's above board now. No longer a threat. Because colleges can make a profit on it now. Oh, Caesars can sponsor our bowl game? <laughs> Come on in. Uh, you want us to do something about the music here? I mean, these colleges, I mean, the Barstool Bowl, I think that's great. Barstool's paying for that, and there's going to be a lot of gambling there. Caesars Entertainment, partnering with the Fiesta Bowl. Caesars wants their logo on the screen. This is the point. Hey, essentially, psst, come to Caesars. We're cool. We're sponsoring college football. We're on the Fiesta Bowl. It's advertising and marketing. And it coincides with the launch of ah, sports betting in Arizona, which launches, I believe I saw September 9th. Ryan Butler put that out. Connect the dots on this stuff. Can't bet on sports. I can't bet on college football. Fucking Fiesta Bowl is sponsored by Caesars now. I think we're past the stigma. And the last thing, Eddie Walls, who was on this show last week, he tweeted about the parlay guy. And if you've ever been to Vegas, you know who the parlay guy is. There are some of these guys in New Jersey, Illinois, but Vegas on a Sunday NFL, the parlay guy is always there. When you're trying to wait till the last minute to get your bets in. And it's 20 minutes until kickoff, and the line's a little long, but you slept in from the night before, and you didn't get in your early kick games. And you're like, oh, man, I got to go bet the Eagles. I got to go bet Carolina, whatever. And you get in line, and the line's moving slow, and you can see that 
you might not make it. We've all been there. If we've been to Vegas during an NFL Sunday or March Madness, you see the line and you see your watch or phone and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make this. But you're going to wait anyways because you're gambling. <laughs> well, you're there to gamble, but now you're gambling on getting in the bet or not. Eddie tweeted this out, at Walls underscore Edward. They should make two lines at every sports book. One for parlays, one for normal people. There's nothing quite like being directly behind a guy who has five scratchers hanging out of his shirt pocket who starts off by saying, what's a 10-teamer pay? <laughs> it's so true. And then he's, he's given the teams what he needs to give the rotation number. And then he's asking, how many teams is that? <laughs> the teller's like, six. So now he needs four more for his 10-teamer. And there's eight games, you know? Eddie continues, quote, It literally happened last night. I needed to make one bet. The number was on the move. And thankfully, another woman at the counter came over and saved the day. Every sports book should give guys who bet 10 teamers five drinks only to be used on game day. I co-sign on this that this is the worst. Especially when you're a guy or two behind the pack. You're next in line and it's, 56 or 57 and kick is at the top of the hour and this guy walks up with his sheet and his pencil and his all his bullshit and goes uh hi can I get a 10 team parlay and you're like oh no I'm not getting this bet in and of course he finishes at 59 or zero he just gets it in you step up to the counter sorry these games are off the board Oh, is it the worst? This is why they invented the mobile app in Nevada to alleviate these problems. Sharp guys, wise guys, they don't wait in lines anymore. They have mobile apps because they want to bet right when they get the number. You think they're waiting 30 minutes? No. You think they're standing in that line at the South Point or the Westgate 10 minutes before kick? No. And those people in line, most of them don't care about number. You know, that game open, you know, six. Sharps took the dog at six, five and a half, five, down to four and a half. And then, you know, parlay guy's going to take him plus four and a half in his 10-teamer. I wonder why it didn't win. But I don't like the parlay guy, especially, especially when you're stuck behind him at the book. Chicken dinner is at the Super Book in Las Vegas. We're actually in Executive Director John Murray's office with NFL King Ed Sammons. That's not your real title. Your real title is the Vice President of Risk Management, but you are the king of the NFL here. Well, I take second to John. John is the king. I will never forget as long as I live watching the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the Bucks in the back room. You guys let me sit, and I wrote a story about it for Fox. Every time the refs threw a flag, you guys just applauded. All you did was just clap. We're big fans of the refs. They're part of the game, so we appreciate their efforts. All they did was throw flags. That's really all they do in this league in general. When you look at the preseason, Ed, because you're a guy who you're very analytical in a lot of different ways, but you, you like the eye test. Some people don't. What do you look for in the preseason when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles or the Chicago Bears? Like, What is an oddsmaker looking for when he watches the preseason, and can it be helpful? Sometimes it can be helpful. This year, it's definitely been the hardest of probably the last 20 years of preseason because there's so many teams 
that aren't even playing their first or second string quarterback. So essentially, these games are just completely nonsense. There are a few teams that are using some starters. The Bears did the whole first half yesterday. So that was interesting to watch that and watch uh, them get carved up by Trubisky yesterday. That was comical. <laughs> I, uh, I know. that. Well, that team, I didn't really plan on starting with Chicago, but I knew things were bad when the general manager said that the the tackle they took out of Oklahoma State, that he was going to be fine and that they didn't sign Jason Peters because the kid was hurt and then the kid is having back surgery. Um, and now they signed Jason Peters to play <laughs> – offensive line in the year of our Lord 2021. I don't know what's going on in Chicago, nor have I had any idea for a couple of years now. That team is a mess. It is a mess. And they, you know, I think universally everyone applauded the, you know, uh, drafting of uh, the Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields, everyone like that. So naturally the coach is committed to Andy Dalton, no matter how bad he plays in the preseason. Oh, no, we need more Andy. we got to see Andy in the regular season. I don't get it sometimes. I don't know how a coach of Chicago, um, I don't know how, you know, Urban Meyer, I don't know what the fuck he's doing either. Like he's giving Trevor Lawrence reps to Gardner Minshew. That's just Urban Meyer. He's he's so full of shit. That's that's just he's just a liar. That's what he does. Everyone knows who's the quarterback. It's not going to change. You don't think he's going to start Minshew week one? At zero percent, unless he gets hurt. Unless Lawrence gets hurt, no chance. But some of these teams, they do stick with, you know, the vet that they believe. I, I think sometimes it's a case of nature versus nurture or whatever. They don't want the, the quarterback to get creamed or something. But it's how does the, Chicago not start Justin Fields? There's absolutely no reason. Unless you've been locked in a cave for 15 years and you've never seen Andy Dalton play football, you can't possibly be that stupid. Well, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey week one, that's what Matt Nagy's going to – he's going to get out of bed, he's going to put his visor on, he's going to look in the mirror, he's going to say, be you, and he's going to start Andy Dalton week number one. And it's just – I don't get it. You guys are liable on the Patriots. I'm surprised to see. Uh, biggest liability to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, we had a customer that we uh, have a track record with. He's been here before, and he asked for $20,000 in the Patriots to win the Super Bowl at 40-1. to 1. So we gave him that wager, and obviously that's going to put us in a big hole in the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. And by far, they're the biggest liability right now. I thought Belichick had a very interesting offseason, and that's never usually a guy that's going to open up the checkbook. You know that. When you open the checkbook up and spend big money in free agency, usually it's because you're desperate or you have some corrections that you need to make. But I thought he addressed a lot of the line. He fixed the O-line, and then he brought guys on the D side of the ball, Van Noy, Judon from Baltimore. He's got Kyle Duggar, the safety in there. I, I like the moves they made. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, but I don't think that team's going to have a hard time winning 10-11 games. It's another team that I think everyone knows right now that Mac Jones should be the starter. I mean, I, I can't imagine anyone that's watched Cam Newton over the last two years could sit here and say, we need to see more Cam Newton. But, you know, it, it's pretty obvious that he's going to start the year as a starting quarterback. And they open with Miami, and that's a game they probably need to win to start the year. But if they lose that game, it's really going to put the pressure on Belichick to switch quarterbacks because I don't know how long you can go with Cam Newton because he's just so limited and defenses can scheme a game 
so much easier than, you know, if Mac Jones is there. These quarterbacks that come out of college now are so different than what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, they're throwing 40, 50, 60 passes a game, and they, they've seen defenses, and they're just so much more NFL-ready than they've ever been. And, you know, I, I really believe that Mac Jones will be the starter. I mean, the question is when. I, I don't know how long you can go with uh, Cam Newton. Yeah, there's something about – that situation when Brady comes into town, I, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't want the kid to have to face Brady or something. Is that is that an angle that you've thought about? Because like, that's week four. That's when the Bucks come into Foxborough. Yeah, I, I know a lot of these coaches will kind of look through their schedule and they'll try to look at the bye week and say, let's see if we can get here. And then if we're going to switch quarterbacks, we'll do it during the bye week so we get extra practice time before the first game. Or they're kind of look at it and give the – rookie quarterback an easier game at home or even on the road against a team that's downtrodden where they figure to win the game so it builds confidence so maybe that's what he's thinking let's just play hypothetical here it's week four if it's cam or mac i don't think really there's that much of a drop off what could that number be like i i think four makes sense tampa minus four at new england is that am i in the ballpark well, I definitely think right now it's more than a field goal. It's obviously less than a touchdown. So, you know, it, it's just dependent on how the teams look going into that week four. If Tampa Bay, you know, is coming off some big wins and they're scoring points, it could definitely be higher. And, again, it's where is the game played? Is it a 10 a.m. game? Is it a one thirty game? Is Sunday it a night. Sunday night game? Sunday night. It's Sunday night. It's going to be higher because that's – that's always a game that's going to take on a ton of liability with parlays during the week. All oh, the parlays rolling over. I didn't think about that. But as you as you were saying, and I'm thinking, that's the bailout game. And it's also a game that a lot of these money line parlays and parlays are tied to. Correct. And, and games like that, you always want to inflate that line because you know what you're going to get all week. Plus, you know, all day long when they're betting on Sunday, they're going to parlay it, and that will be the last, you know, end of the parlay, or at least big part of the parlay. So all the parlays that win will go to that game, and it just has more exposure. Plus, that'll be a, uh, a probably to that point of the year will probably be the highest bet game of the year just because of the matchup. I mean, everyone's going to be talking about it. So that game will just receive a ton of action. So that's definitely a game, you know, we're sitting here, you know, six weeks before the game and obviously injuries it's hard to plan for that stuff you know last year when Tampa went to Chicago they had a ton of injuries and that line was definitely suppressed lower than what you would have thought it would have been in front of the year but you know if both teams are on the same footing here it's a game that could definitely be you know higher than four probably towards five and a half or even six that's a good call by you and I I tell you right now if things go the way I think they're going to go I will take the points I'll probably hate myself at halftime, but I will take it. And your advice would be probably just to wait, probably get a better number by kickoff, right? Yeah, it just depends. You know, wise guys, if they if there's value for them, they'll obviously knock it down. And if there isn't, then it's a game. Sometimes these games will just run because it's all one-sided betting. So you could see it run all the way to, say, six and a half. You just never know. When you say wise guys, a lot of people ask me, you know, what's a wise guy? How do you define a wise guy? How would you respond to that? I would say it's someone that bets with zero intent on who's playing. It's just betting a number. So, you know, if they're betting, let's use yesterday's game. The Steelers played the Lions, and I believe that game opened about 
five, five and a half. And eventually word got out that Detroit was playing no starters and it crept up six, six and a half, and eventually closed seven. Well, the wise guys would be the guys that all bet the minus five and five and a half. So they won on that. And then when the game got to seven, some of the wise guys that bet that may have taken a little bit back at seven. So they went at that. And then if you look at the public person who probably bets, you know, a half an hour before the game, he's laying seven. Well, he's losing his bets. The Steelers were up 26 nothing, give up 20 unanswered points in the fourth quarter and win by six. So they're thinking it's the worst beat they've ever had. That's the difference between wise guys and the general public. How much will you move a game? Let's say say you're moving a, a college basketball total or something, and it's well, we'll call it 155, and wise guy X wants to hit you on a Drexel fucking total, right? Or you name the team. How much will you move it if you respect the player? I mean, there's a market out there, so you'll see the market. But if it's a player that's an established winner that moves numbers, you'll move it two, three points. You know, obviously, uh, in, in the beginning of the year, November, December, you're going to move it a little more aggressively. And when you're towards January and February and the numbers have uh, at least somewhat been ironed out, it's probably two points. Yeah, I in some of these totals, too, you know, you, you see them, you know, because a lot of books, they, they don't put them up right away. Some of the overnight shops and you know, some of the islands or whatever. I remember I was watching the Bryant Bulldogs a lot this year, and we had scouted them in the off season, and we were like, this team's going to play really fast this year. And nobody was really up to speed on that because, I you know, I think the deeper you go, you're not going to beat Duke, North Carolina on ESPN2 on Wednesday, I don't think. But if, if I can find a Bryant – those Bryant totals, they started at like 148. A month later, they were 166. Yeah. And they just they kept going. Eventually, you guys made the adjustments, but right. those totals were getting blasted. And that's, you know, that's there's something about following the lesser conferences and being more familiar with those because obviously those don't have the notoriety that the big conferences like in North Carolina at Duke. And you can get, you know, an advantage like that and constantly play it until you believe the advantage is up. And like you were saying, you probably got a good two months of it. Yeah, it was about a five-week stretch. And then, of course, they, they made the number too high. And then the, the problem with people that follow you know, a show like this, they're late to the party, and then they, keep, they don't know when to stop. So like, okay, we've been doing it for a couple of weeks, and you go out of your way to go, all right, we've lost our edge but people are still going to bet it, and then they get upset at you because they caught the trend late. Right, and that's, again, you're talking about the wise guys. The wise guys have a number, and if they don't get their number, they're not going to say, well, you know, I, I could have laid four and a half, but it's five now. I'll just lay five. Now they'll just pass the game and go on to the next game. Yeah, because they're disciplined. Absolutely. That's all it is. It's all discipline. And I, as I say that, I'm, I'm donating my uh, – my entry. I know I'm not going to win in the super contest, but I'm in. Um, so you're welcome for that. I hate picking the NFL. It's like the hardest thing in the world to do. Yet I am giving the Westgate a lot of money to try and pick. What, who the guy's going to win? Going to hit like 64 percent or something insane. It's so hard to pick the NFL, and yet here I am doing another contest. Well, I mean, there are all these mini contests during the year, so yeah, you've got true. a lot of chances. To I get do have some a lot money. of chances, but I mean, that five games a week in the NFL is hard. It's I'm amazed that you know you look at these records some years, and it's just amazing how they do it. I and then the next year you look at the record, and they'll be under 500. Competitive nature. It's just like I would never, I would never bet five games. I don't think straight. I like to pick one or two, pick the ones I really like, play them. 
But for the contest purposes, you got to pick five. Yeah, five games in the NFL every week betting that doesn't feel like a long-term <laughs> winner. You can't exactly pass in the contest. Like, I'm going to – can I roll this over to next week? You know, it's – but that's that's why we do it because we love the competition. And, I mean, you see the – I mean, you walk outside after you walk past the uh, the big video board with Jay Cornegay and his mask on. You see the stack of cash in the, in the thing, and you're like, wow, that could be mine. It's just – it's it's an incredible incredible contest, and I'm happy to be able to do that again and build another uh, you know build another blackjack table or something here at the Westgate. Um, how competitive does it get in the back room? You guys have a lot of really good people at a lot of different sports, but you guys are pretty competitive, aren't you? Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, we're working, we're putting our NBA uh, wins up on Tuesday, so everybody's you know everyone compiles their own number. We have a target number that we're shooting for. And, you know, everyone, you know, we'll discuss through the numbers and everyone's going to hold to their number. And then, you know, all year, if someone has a different number on a team and they're right, they'll probably brag about it. And if they're wrong, trust me, all the guys that had the other numbers are all going to make fun of them. Oh, I feel bad for Sherman because he gets it no matter what, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when we did the NFL, Rex, who is one of our risk guys, had this crazy number on the Giants and then when we were going through these uh, every week with the Giants spreads it was like oh my god Rex your, your number on the Giants you, you have these guys like rated like the Chiefs so <laughs> if the Giants aren't good this year trust me Rex will hear about it every week is there a team nobody's talking about that that might be a sneaky play I'm not I'm not looking for a, a Super Bowl or a conference but maybe like a win total is there a win total that might be a little too low that you think there's a team that that has a good shot I like the Eagles this year. I know they're not getting a lot of press right now, and their season wins, I believe, is like six and a half over 30. And I think seven, seven, eleven is very achievable for them. Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback this year, and he does offer the run option. And if you look at the speed on them, Miles Sanders, Devontae Smith, there's there's some serious speed on this team. And last year they went through attrition of their offensive line being destroyed with injury, the same as the defense, the cornerbacks. And they, they really have done a nice job of building the team back. And I, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be in contention to win that division. But I think they'll go over six and a half wins this year. You believe in the coach then? Because some of these coaches, they're the smartest guy in the room and they know it, like Matt Nagy. And I, I don't think he's good for, for that Chicago team. But you think Seriani's going to be okay? I do. I do. I mean, I think he did a good job with Frank Reich at Indianapolis, and uh, he's understanding of the city of Philadelphia because he was there during the championship run. So I think he's familiar with the city and knows what to expect. If they play bad, they're going to get booed at home, and that's just how it is. And I don't think that's going to affect them. And, uh, you know, that's one team that's definitely held back in the preseason. So just don't look at preseason results and say that's how the regular season's going to be. Do you remember um, a lot of people like to hear these stories about, you know, the you know, the time we had the Rams at 300 to 1 to win the Super Bowl or whatever and they got it done the year they signed Kurt Warner. Do you have a a story from behind the counter where you guys just got crushed on something and didn't have to be here, it could be back at the IP or wherever you were. Do you remember a a number that was so bad that you guys had to, you know, pay it out at the end? Wow, that's a uh, interesting question. Um, I do remember that Rams year because that's that was one team I was really high on. And then when Trent Green got hurt in the preseason, it was like, all right, I'm done. They have no chance. And obviously the rest was history. But <laughs> I did like that team at the time. And 
I can remember they were you could get them at 200 to 1 like after two weeks and they had rolled off like 40 some points in back-to-back weeks but you know I, I can remember the Cardinals in baseball this was 06 is that the year they beat the Tigers yep okay 06 then because they were I believe six back of someone with like nine games to go and it was every day they would win the other team would lose they would win the other team would lose and Chris Bennett who was working here at the time, who is now at Circa, kept telling me, these guys are worth a bet. And I'm like, you're out of your mind, Chris. You're crazy. And then I was off for two days, win-win, the other team, lose-lose. And I'm like, oh, my God, he was right. And, you know, people were still – people, they'll sit on some of these stale future prices. If you go around now, you'll you'll see teams like the Mets who have just, you know, it's collapsed. And the Red Sox, who have it's everything's gone bad, but they still their prices reflect what it was a month ago. And you know there were some people that got some big numbers on St. Louis that year, so you know that's one I do remember. And they did come from you know a ways back to uh, you know get into the playoffs and it wound up winning the World Series. Well, I'm thinking just out loud here. I know you don't remember the number, but if they're six games back. With, you said nine to go? Yeah, nine or ten. It wasn't a lot. I know that. It was literally like they had to win every game and the other team had to lose. I think there was like 300. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, yeah. And it was like – And you didn't listen? No, I didn't because I didn't believe it. Now, obviously, if I had it to do over again, I would have done it. But, you know, <laughs> I still can't believe they won. You can't push rewind on a thing like that. I wish we could. If only we all had Biff's Almanac, right? Yeah, no doubt. Oh, man. Um, I guess I just really have two more things. When it comes to college football, I know, you know, we do a lot of NFL stuff on the show, but college, you know, is there a team outside of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State that could win the title? And some people talk about Oklahoma. Eh, I don't know about Oklahoma. Georgia, I don't like their coach. It seems like it's the same old song and dance these last 10 years. It's one of three teams that could realistically win the title. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get away from the ones you just said. I mean, you know, if I reach down, I mean, maybe Iowa State, but they're going to have to play, essentially have to beat Oklahoma in that championship game and maybe twice because I don't know if they would take them with one loss. But it, it's it's hard. I mean, you could argue for Texas A&M, but I don't think they're ready to win a national championship. It, it's hard to find value in college football anymore just because of the way the system is set up and even if Alabama loses one game, they'll probably still get them in the playoffs. And it's it's so dominated by those top teams. I, I can't wait until we get to 12 or 16 teams in the playoffs because I think that will eventually shake it up. That's interesting. So you think we're, we're headed there no matter what? Yeah, I do. And I think when that happens, teams then won't be afraid to lose games during the regular season because right now if you schedule a game and you lose at a conference, you're done. It kills you. It hurts you way more than it helps you. That's why teams don't do it. I know from doing this content stuff, and I mean, you know, you read the stuff, you see the stuff. Like, I hate when somebody will go, all right, like, do a piece on college football sleepers. I'm like, there aren't any. No. There's none. No, it's the wrong sport for college, for sleepers. Yeah, yeah. so, well, who do you, like, give me a couple long shots. I I don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, that's... Do you want to win or not? I mean, we've taken decent-sized money on... uh, Texas, because they got the Alabama. You're smiling as you say that. Well, it's just come on. Texas is not ready to. It's your your argument. It's just they're not ready to win a national championship. 
these teams that play in the playoffs, for the most part, you look at the draft, they're going to have five guys in the first round, and it's not because they're not good. It's because they got great players or NFL players. Hard to beat NFL players in college. I had a bookmaker tell me about 10 years ago, he goes, my favorite fan is the Notre Dame fan because they have money, they spend their money, they also tell you they went to Notre Dame, but every year, like clockwork, they think they're good enough to win the national championship. And a long time ago they were. But he goes, every year we wait for that Notre Dame avalanche, and we usually we usually get it. Uh, we've already seen it this year. Yeah? yeah? Oh, yeah. Notre Dame's one of our biggest losers. I, every year I see the money come in. And, you know, last year they had a really good team. And, you know, they played Clemson. Or was it Alabama? I can't remember who they played in the playoff game. Whoever they played, they played for them. It was close, but I mean, thirty just, to three or something. Yeah, and they got a garbage touchdown to get a backdoor. But I mean, oh, they, oh, okay. I'm, I get all my blowouts mixed right. up with Notre Dame, right? Yeah, they get. It's confusing. Alabama or Clemson, whatever they play. Yeah, <laughs> it just feels like the same thing over and over. But they just, you know, Notre Dame until they change their. Uh, recruiting ways as far as allowing kids into school, they just can't compete with the Alabamas, with the Clemsons right now. They just, Ohio State, they just can't. Rich get richer. I feel like that's happening in a lot of places in this country. He's Ed Sammons from the Westgate, VP of Risk Management. I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for the time. Anytime, Sam. That about does it for Chicken Dinner. Thanks to Ed Sammons for hopping on the show. Record check, 159, 152, and 5. We are up 0.1 units. So through all that, going back to last August, haven't lost. Up a little bit. The smallest of amounts. I don't care. I'll take it. Been a weird baseball season. Everything else been good. But I am uh, I'm ready for football. And this is the first big season out here in New England. So no pressure. We got the under. Nebraska, Illinois. 55. Going under 55. And pay attention to this Mac Jones number. I don't hate for one second. A bet on Jones, offensive rookie of the year, 10 to 1. 100 wins, 1,000. 1,000 wins, 10. I don't hate that one bit. And I'll tell you what, if Mac wins the job either this weekend or next week, good luck finding 10 to 1. That's all I'm going to say. Coming up on Friday, Matt Metcalf will join us from Circus Sports. Can't wait for that. He's one of the sharpest bookmakers in the world. He's a former professional better. Cash for tickets, make some money, and we'll see you then right here on Chicken Dinner. Really?